Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where it's my job to introduce you to people from the world of commercial property. We're talking with investors and thought leaders about their experiences of the commercial property world and sharing our own lessons from the last 20 years to give you practical know-how so that you can follow in their footsteps. If you've ever thought commercial could be your next step, but it just seems too confusing and opaque, then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. Some quite mild trauma can affect us. So there's a brilliant book by Richard Schwartz called No Bad Parts, and it's about parts of our personality coming up and protecting that trauma. Welcome back to the Commercial Property Investor Podcast. Now, I'm in Kinross above our um, venue space where we had an event today, and my good friend Paul Millian came all the way up from Darlington to see us. Say hi, Paul. Hello, guys. (laughs) And we did our quarterly networking event for CPI uh, network members, and Paul kindly came up and gave a presentation on the many different projects and the ways he's raised finance, which are fascinating. We covered some of that on the last podcast, didn't we, Paul? Yeah, I really enjoyed that presentation, by the way. You've got a fantastic crowd. It's great, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. Very good quality investors. So um, we, we, on our last podcast, I, and I'm sure you don't mind me saying this, but every now and then I had to pull you back a little bit when we went down some some, uh, rabbit holes. But there are some there I definitely want to revisit in this episode and really it's about mindset and last time we spoke about priorities and trying to work out is this a distraction or is this an opportunity and just some of the business attributes that that you've developed over the years to try and do that differentiation and try and make up your mind on what's best and keeping going in the right direction but I want to talk more about mindset now and some of the challenges around that but also some of the tips and things to try and help people get around that and we're, we're actually um, and I'll just say if it's alright to say that mm. um, we're actually going to try and record two podcasts one for CPI which we're doing right now and then we're going to do one um, for your new podcast show which is much more about mindset so I'm feeling lucky I've got you here to just to, to talk about that subject right now and hopefully if we have time we're going to do another one right Brilliant. it's going to be about mindset and maybe digging into deep recesses of my head but on this particular one um, I'm going to do a little bit of questioning, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a few down here, but we'll see how the conversation goes. So um, the first thing I just want to talk about was just the whole concept of mindset. And people, some people get turned off by that phrase and other people are like, oh, oh, I love that. That's exactly what I do. And they concentrate and they go way overboard. Mm. Where in reality are you on mindset and how much we should pay attention to it how we pay attention, you know, what, what's your thinking on that, just that whole positive mindset? Well, I never knock back a speaking engagement or an inv- invitation to come up and have a chat at other people's events. Very rare that I can't do it because, I, I love it because people always come up to me afterwards and say, I really love that bit you did on uh, mindset, putting yourself out there, telling people what you do. And also I speak quite uh, a lot about ADHD and neurodivergency. And... Um, it's, it's, it's that that does it for me, you know, to be able to help people. The realisations that people have, I mean, I, I'm undiagnosed ADHD and that's brought me such a lot of positive traits but also such a lot of kind of in, inner battles as well. 
So the Life of a Fruitcake podcast, to which I'm going to rinse you out. <laughs> <laughs> I do love the name. Life, life. Loaf is the Loaf. name of Paul's new podcast. For those, cake. this is a teaser because it's not out yet. Although if you listen to this in a few months' time, it'll be out there, right? Yeah. But yeah, Loaf, Life of a Fruitcake. It's. I'm just so looking forward to doing that, and I'm so uh, looking forward to uh, in inverted commas uh, deep diving, mate. Uh, into <laughs> you know, we're just going to have some, such great, smashy, and nicey moments, and just 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 getting into people's heads. It's going to be the no makeup selfie of uh, the world of podcasting and business <laughs> and uh, entrepreneurialism and property and stuff like that. But, and there's going to be a lot of this phrase said, what was the question? Because it's going to be a tangential meandering <laughs> around, the, around the stars and back. But um, mate, I, I, I love coming up. I, the positive mindset thing, it's like, yeah, a lot of people uh, kind of question that of, does it really take you forward? Are you being delusional? But a positive mindset is better than a negative mindset, right? So a positive mindset without going back to... So I'm going to speak a little bit about what I do and what I've done. I'm quite... I feel lucky to have educated myself in a lot of mindset stuff from quite a young age. I came across a book, Four Wheels to a Fortune. Uh, having, having left... I'm not going to go back through all this, this, the childhood school stuff, but, you know, I pretty much wasn't very much... Well, you're on, you, you are sitting on a couch, so I mean, yeah. you know, we well, can go there if you want. <laughs> I've done a few bodies over the years, and I think, God, you know, how many? To, I, you know, I've only had one journey, but yeah. So I, I went to a public school. My dad sent me there because I'd come out of junior school, and my reports basically said I was as thick as a whale omelette. <laughs> and uh, he thought to give this lad a chance, I'm going to have to send him up to this school. We weren't from a wealthy family, but he he, he spent you know a small inheritance that he'd had of his father and sent me up to Barnard Castle School and. Uh, didn't do particularly well. It was like, you know, why have I got to work hard just to get a C and other people can just read the book and get, you know, an A or a B. And um, so it was, yeah, I was just that kid, you know, quite disruptive, but full of character and got on well with my teachers. You know, I've had great feedback off my teachers since since going back up to school for old boys do's and stuff like that. And uh, I, was, I was that kid that uh, disrupting, but with a bit of character. I was always, yeah, loads of energy. I didn't find out until last year that, ADHD and um, it, it really kind of gave me some real good realization and some validation you know and that's one thing that I've always been after since school I guess is validation you know I'd, I'd always felt like I had a business in me um, I was a little bit entrepreneurial at school um, and I always went against the tide um, and but I'd I, I, when I left school, I had a little car valeting company, uh, Headlam Car Valeting Services with my pal Tom. And uh, we, I, I got into buying and selling a bit of cars through auction and stuff. Taking a car out of auction, tickling it, put it back through auction, quick turnover yep. stuff, like, like flipping. Uh, and I came across a book that was written by the same author that uh, wrote Four Wheels to a Fortune, which was a book that I used for guidance. Uh, and it was called The Midas Method. And, and that was about positive self-image belief, it was about I can belief and about why we do the things that we do. Uh, so even though that that was written in the early 80s, absolutely relevant, given that our soft, last software update as humans was 200,000 years ago, <laughs> right? Um, and it just taught me that, yes, you, you don't need to be kind of IQ clever. You need to be EQ clever. Now, I can belief is, can I do it? Do I believe in myself enough to be able to do it? But also PSI belief, positive self-image belief, is your, your, your belief in your self-worth. All right? And a lot of this comes down to self-worth. Now, 
I've been doing some energy healing lately. I've been doing some um, belief coding, uh, and I believe that life's an exploration. I'd love to go to uh, you know the forests of Peru and do ayahuasca. I'd love to go and sit in a cave for ten days and not speak and just meditate. You know, I'd love. I want to do all of this kind of stuff because I'm. You know, I think I think all humans are. Well, a lot of humans are desperately seeking something, mm-hmm. and I've yeah. I want to find the answer. We spoke earlier, actually, before this, this morning, we were talking about Jack Black. Mm-hmm. It came in the conversation, didn't it? And I do remember one of his techniques, yeah, for tapping into the subconscious to try and immediately take yourself back to that place where you're con- you've got much better concentration. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that method? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, I do sometimes see th- things on social media and stuff and I'm thinking, oh, well, we're off woo-wooing again here. Um, but actually... Some of this stuff is based on reality, but also it's really down to the individual, isn't it? And it is down, part of that whole thing is belief systems. Mm-hmm. And if you believe in something and, and genuinely have an expectation, mm-hmm. that can start working in your favor. Yeah. But the problem is exactly the opposite can happen. So mm-hmm. if you have a bad expectation and you keep working on that bad expectation, guess what? Yeah, and so the whole th- the question back at the start there was about um, positive mindset. I mean, I think we're probably both on the same page, which is we're half full glass people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but reality is hard. Yeah. There are things out there that are challenging, but approaching it with a more positive mindset is definitely the right way. But sometimes it can be difficult because life has been throwing a lot of crap at you for whatever stuff that's going on and you think you're just coming up for air and then boof somebody puts a foot on your head and you're back under because you know I don't know something some planning permissions or come through something whatever all first world problems of course but nevertheless something comes up and you're like oh and sometimes you feel you're running on empty yeah so having that positive mindset how, how do you get through that sort of stuff well with probably every day it's a new kick in the cahoots <laughs> isn't it and uh, what we choose to do, but you, you get real good at what you practice. And if you practice negative self-talk every day and every hour and every minute and every opportunity, then you get really good at that kind yes, of stuff. Yes. And it takes a long time to turn the oil tank around, you know, the, the momentum that whatever you've built up through your early years into, you know, adulthood, um, it can take a lot to change that stuff around. And you've got, like I say, salvation is salvation. You know, sol- going back and solving those problems. So the belief coding that I've done lately uh, and some of the energy healing takes you back to your childhood trauma. And uh, childhood trauma can be as simple as not getting picked up from the playground by your parents and you sat there thinking at seven years old, oh, they're in a car crash. You know, you, we, we tend to think the worst as humans. It's how we're programmed to protect ourselves. Yep. And, um, you know, tra- yes, yeah, some people can go through terrible trauma and uh, it affect them for the rest of their lives. But also, you know, some quite mild trauma can affect us and, and parts. So there's a brilliant book uh, by Richard Schwartz uh, called uh, No Bad Parts. And it's about uh, parts of our personality coming up and protecting that trauma. And then those parts of our personality don't know how old we are now. So we've got stuff that's still protecting us. Um, that was built when we were kids yep. to, 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 to protect us against certain types of trauma. And, uh, and, it, and it is a case of having to clear that down. And that comes from, you know, meditation and also clearing stuff off through hypnosis and belief coding. One of the things that I, I think I'm reasonably good at is compartmentalizing stuff. 
Mm. I'm not quite sure how I do it, but just being able to um, park something because I can't do anything about it right then and moving on to some other task, whatever it is. And actually, although it's still there, I, I, and I don't forget about it, but I just seem I've managed to learn to be able to park. So I mentioned this earlier on. I, in the past, I've had periods where I've got quite um, stressed, I guess is the best word, but basically overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And actually trying to do anything is quite difficult when you're overwhelmed and yeah. trying to get clarity and you've got this fog. So actually getting any single thing done is actually quite difficult. And you've got to be very... You've got to use techniques to get stuff done then. And one of the techniques I would do was I'd write down everything that was on my to-do list. And when I did it, I would pop it on another list. I wouldn't just delete it or take it off the spreadsheet. I'd pop it on another list. Because what I was finding was I'd get to the end of a week or a day or a month and I'd be thinking, oh, I'm not getting anywhere here. I'm not getting anywhere. But actually, in reality, I was, but I just wasn't recording it. Mm. We're very good at recording everything we haven't done. That's why it's a to-do list, because we haven't done it yet, right? Yeah. But actually, we're crap at recording stuff we have done. And you, so, like, for instance, I used to work with startup businesses, and one of the things that, in an incubator, and one of the things was getting a website. And for lots of people, this is a huge thing. I need to get a website, you know, and you'd be working with them for a few weeks, and they still haven't started a bloody website, right? And for them, it's this mountain. But ironically, by the time they got the website done, they almost forgotten that that was a mountain and even that they did it. Mm. And there wasn't really a recognition of, actually, I have managed to get something done. So anyway, my strategy was, uh, what I'll do is I'll record all this stuff. So when I'm feeling overwhelmed, I just look and say, no, hold on a minute. Actually, I did get that done. I got that done. I got that done. I got that done. We have made progress because mm. we're so good at forgetting that sort of stuff. Yeah. So that's like a micro version of uh, the, the gap in the gain thinking. You know, you, uh, it's easy to look at things from the, the, the gap point of view of where we haven't got to, you know, where, where the, the distance between us and our goals. But actually, if you look the other way at the gain, where yeah. we've actually come from, and I guess keeping your notes to sort of, you know, you know document where you had come from in a way. Uh, look, I, you know, the ADHD brain is terrible for procrastination. Um, terrible for stuff that you takes you five minutes and you think, why didn't I do that three weeks ago? Because if if I'd done it three weeks ago, it would have saved me a hundred quid or a thousand quid or whatever. Do you know what? I I went through a period a few years ago, about eight years ago now, uh, from about, well, from about 10 years ago to about seven years ago, where I just did like, you know, four seasons in a row in my camper van up in the mountains, left my camper in Geneva, flew back and forward, got the camper, went up in the mountains, two weeks, come back, leave it in Geneva, fly back home, do a bit of work. So I obviously didn't have that much on then. And that, why didn't I just carry on doing that? But then the first season, I got 11 weeks. Second season, it was like, uh, you know, nine weeks. Then it was down to six weeks and then four weeks. And it's not worth driving your camper a thousand miles to have four (laughs) weeks snowboard. So I'm like, oh, we need to get rid of that. And now I only snowboard for one week a season. You know, mate, your priorities are totally on the wrong. Uh, but 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 I've I've kind of realised that I need to take my foot off there. I need to just finish up projects and and be happy with what I've got and just just move the hell on. Yeah. So this podcast uh, CPI is not about the meaning of life, right? Mm. But you did um, you did earlier on sort of talk about um, knowing look looking back and knowing what you're um, what you're trying to achieve but also looking forward you're talking about the many different projects you've got and trying to be positive get all this stuff done get through your goals setting all your goals and everything else but then every now and then this little thing pops up in your mind and says um, 
Yeah, but what's all this for? Uh-huh. Right, so you spoke earlier on about you know, meaning of life and all that sort of stuff. We're not going to go there on this podcast, right? Maybe that's more for the loaf podcast. Better but but it, as you get older, you get to reflect on longer period you've been on the planet and doing different things. And it does give you, um, there is a benefit of being able to look back at stuff and start thinking, well, why did I do that? And what was my thinking behind that? And also, sure, you get regret. But I mean, you know, keeping a positive mindset, it should really be, well, there's some learnings there for the time I have got to do things slightly differently. But it is a a challenge to work out. And this is the big question that I think a lot of people, particularly in property, probably struggle with a bit, but don't discuss too much, is when's enough enough? Uh And some people are driven and just keep going and going and going, okay, and they build a 100-pound portfolio or 200 million or what, 100 million, sorry, 200 million, whatever it is. But I bet you they're probably still thinking the same way. When is enough enough, right? And and that's a really difficult one to answer. I don't know what your thoughts are or whether you actually mm. think about that one much. So I'm quite well known from the property thing of uh, kind of being able to take an hour with someone who is deep down in the, the depths of, you know, whatever depression feels like the, you know, hurtling towards planet Earth. And, uh, you know, the... the it's difficult sometimes to take your own advice and you just sit with someone and give them all the best advice in the world. Sure, Change yeah. their life. Yes. Like the amount of times when I thought, Sage, just, Sage Paul, you know, just, I've just changed done it again, that yeah. person's life in an hour because I've, I've taught them all about the stuff of, you know, the shit shows that I've been in in the past that I've dug myself out of. Yeah. And then you can give that advice in a short space of time and, and really change people's lives in a short space of time. And it's like, but actually, and this is what I was going to get to before. It's like, if you can look at the person in the mirror, like a consultation is about holding a mirror up to someone else and say, and they tell you what's wrong with them and you compile it and put, give them some action steps and, and, and fill your boots. But yeah. if you can look in your own bathroom mirror and, and, and kind of, I've just reading a book at the moment called, I think it's called High Five by Mel Robbins. She did the five second rule and she's now done this like high five thing where she's, you know, it's about being on the own side, your own side of yourself. And like, if you can look in the mirror and love, actually love the person that's in front of you. If you can actually have a good crack with the person that's in front of you, not look at the person in front of you and think, well, you're looking a bit wrinkly there, mate, and, you know, you look a bit depressed, and, you know, you could do with getting a few pounds off. It's like we, you know, there's that story of you, you, you've got a, a lot of, uh, what do you call them, um, pills for your, for your dog, and you wrap them in cheese and put it in its food, and you do that every day. Like sometimes, you, but you don't sometimes take your own medication in the full course. And it's like, how are we treating ourselves? Like, sometimes you're in a critic and you're in a voice. When you catch it, it's like, hold on, I wouldn't speak to one of my friends like that. So why am I speaking to myself like that? For years, right, I'm getting older now, I'm near the same age as you, so, you know, you you do these different personality tests, right? I'm not necessarily saying the ones you've, you've just mm-hmm. done because I, I didn't get it done last night because as usual I was doing my presentation last mm-hmm. night, right? But <laughs> But the thing that I always found was... I never had a big spike somewhere. Now, maybe I was filling the mineral, but I'd never come away from these things thinking, ah, that's me. I'd always be coming away thinking, well, why is it they've all worked out who they are? But I'm still kind of averaging all these things. And it wasn't necessarily average, but just I wouldn't have a big spike. It would just be sort of a mix, right? And it was about four years ago, five years ago, I was at uh, um, Glasgow Strathclyde University um, business thing which was which is a great course. And the lady that was doing that session 
we went through all the usual filling out and then we actually we did another session with somebody else with a different format. And I'm like, God's sake, I've done three of these things now and they're all coming back. And she gave me validation because she said to me, she says, she says, do you know what? That's absolutely fine because it just means you are more balanced on all these different aspects and you're allowed to sit there. Mm-hmm. And it was like she'd taken a weight off my shoulder. She's like, you're allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be that person kind of sitting in the middle there mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm going through all these bloody tests. So did you find when you're doing some of those, you've got big spikes or where's, where's yours sitting? By, by the way, uh, one of my uh, EFT tapping technique um, affirmations is uh, I stand in my own power. Um, and I just think that's, that's great when you can actually just stand in your own power and, uh, and, and try to just be happy with, with who you are because who you are is who you are, right? And um, understanding like salvation, salvation, uh, t- to know what you're about and to, to read all about your, uh, you know, whether you're ENFT or, you know, what type of personality you've got and all of that kind of stuff. Like when you actually read into it, I, I bought the... Uh, Jordan Peterson lectures, by the way, and he explains all of the traits of your personality and the subtraits in infinite detail. He is one very, very clever man, and and it, yeah, I, I think it's just so valuable sure. to do. I'll that. go through that one. Yeah. I'll definitely go through that one. So you were talking about um, from a fairly early age being reasonably confident in yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, for those that are struggling with looking in the mirror mm-hmm. and getting that confident person. Um, I, I'm going to give one tip, but have you got any thoughts on strategies that people can take to improve that? So my 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 little thing was just that um, the goal you brought up goals and it made me think about this is that if we set big lofty goals and we repeatedly procrastinate and we actually set those goals up and we're almost setting ourselves up for failure what ends up happening is we reinforce the whole thing about I can't do this or mm. I'm a failure. And sometimes we've just got to say, right, actually, I'm going to stand on the outside and I'm going to look in and I'm going to try and work out a way of overcoming that. And it might be just, I'm going to set smaller goals. They're going to be more achievable. There's going to be less of them, but I'm going to get them done. Mm. And, and sometimes people just repeatedly do this thing about these big goals and they don't achieve them. And actually they're just reinforcing the same thought process. Actually, I'm no good. And it wears them down. Yeah. Because that expectation has been set wrong. What's your thoughts on that? Or any other tips you would think of? Yeah, look, I go into Waterstones every year. Last minute, we'll talk about Christmas in a minute and the, the feelings that that can bring. Um, but I go into Waterstones every year to buy, you know, most people in my family and, and uh, people who work for me, a physical book. And I go to the self-help section first in uh, interior design and self-help is where I like to exist. And uh, there is just so many titles. It's just so many titles. Some of them kind of suck you in and, you know, there's, there's you think, oh, that well, that would suit her. I mean, I actually bought uh, titles for people that work for me this year. Uh, uh, a Walk Through the Jungle by Steve Peters, the uh, Professor Stephen Peters, the Chimp Paradox fella, and uh, another member of staff, uh, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway, and another member of staff, um, oh, what was it, the, um, oh, what was that book? Uh, well, you mentioned the 54321, which is a good one. Yeah, no, hold on. It'll come to me in a second. Uh, oh, The Power of Regret. Right, so you'd probably think, oh great, I've got a book from Paul, and then they open it and go, oh, power of regret. <laughs> it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm impolite enough 
to 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 give someone a book that I think will mean something yeah. to them rather than just giving them a polite present, some chockies or whatever. It's like actually, if you read that book, that will bring some good shit to you. Um, and it, it, it's overwhelming the amount of advice. So some some would say, well, if you set your goals too small, all right, it's not turning on your subconscious. It's not getting it to like wake up. Uh, but then if you set them too big, but it's all down to belief. And, you know, Richard Perry, he has a great book, Stratnav, Strategy Navigation. If you take a 10-year goal that's however many whatever's it would be, say if it was a financial goal, 10, 10 million pounds worth of net property by that date. If, if you break that down into daily increments, it's really not that big. You know, in one of the sessions today, you know, I've got, whatever, 80 properties split into like 150 tenancies. And, um, you know, I said that in my chat because I, I wanted to put some metrics on it because I wanted to bring some sharp relief to some certain things. And uh, she said, well, I, you know, I'm nothing in the, in the realms of everyone. I said, hold on a minute. I said, I've been doing this for 30 years. I break that down. That's only a couple of three properties a year, you know. And then I went back in and I wasted a bit of time. I turned 20 of them into HMOs and this, that, and the other. I said, that, that's took a long time. You know, you could absolutely, with the right mindset, you know, 10x what I've done. And she was like, right, okay. And I love pe bringing people that realisation. It's just that we've, we've been, it's like Warren Buffett, isn't it, you know? I mean, he's a, a million times whatever I'll be. Uh, and, you know, it's, it, it, I guess, you know, mindset and just, just, just cracking on and doing, you know, slow is smooth, smooth is fast anyway. Right, And, and it's not gonna, all it's cracked up to be. I'm going to pull you back. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think you answered my question. All right. <laughs> you do this a lot, don't you? Because I do that a lot. No, because no, I listen to podcasts, right? I do listen to podcasts. And sometimes I, I like, you know, you, I, I don't know about you, you're, you're starting your podcast journey, right? But, but sometimes I listen to podcasts and think, right, oh, that's really good. Or, oh, I should try doing that. And one of the things I try and do as much as I can is make sure that I, I do answer, answer so at least the questions I would have wanted the interviewer to ask, right? And I, I may be shooting myself in the foot here and people are thinking, yeah, Jerry, if only you would ask the right questions. But anyway, I asked you about some other tips just for people that are looking in the mirror saying I'm struggling. And you yes. started talking about books, which is fine. Yeah, sorry. Right? But is there anything else that you would say to someone that's a practical thing they can start implementing? Yes. Now, that this might seem really woo, um, but when you do belief coding, you it's about going back to speak to your inner child okay now this sounds crazy but uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you four points of my childhood trauma right there's nothing particularly spicy in here it's really quite mundane um one part of my childhood trauma was having my blankie took off me at two years old. i didn't remember this shit until you meditate and go back over and really think and you're tapping on your forehead and you're waiting for these memories coming up and you're like wow my mum put my blankie in the wash when I was a kid and I remember being goddamn distraught about it. And that there was causing the trauma that had to be cleared off. Uh, another one was the fact that, um, you know, my, my dad wouldn't let me ride my motorbike in the woods that was next to our house because he was so, he was part of like the Freemasons and he knocked around with a load of coppers and various other stuff. He didn't want me to get my motorbike nicked off me and he also didn't want me to um, cause trouble and noise and extra. And that, that, was a, that was a childhood trauma for me. That was, you know, because the, the belief code, you know, Vicky Moore, great girl, she sits you down and she says, right, we're going to go back to a time that's giving you this kind of, um, you know, blocker and what's causing it and this, that, and the other. And you, you're like, oh, wow, was it really as simple as that? There was like another one where, um, oh, what was the other one? 
yeah, just, just, just being, you know, locked in my room for being a little twat. You know, <laughs> but you go back and speak to that child. You go back and speak to that child yeah. and you hug that child. It's like, wow. So, so going back and hugging my two-year-old self, my six-year-old self, my 12-year-old self, was, it felt very similar to actually me imagining hugging my own son. And, you know, I was actually worried about having a son because I was such a little twat. Uh, I was kind of wanting a daughter and it's like, oh my God, it's a boy. What am I going to do with that? He's going to hate me. Um, and he was, you know, my son was the most loveliest little lad. Um, really got on brilliantly with him. And, you know, he was such a lovely, huggy lad. Um, he's in Thailand at the moment. No, he's in Vietnam at the moment, sending me sunny pictures and uh, one pound Thai green curries. Uh, you know, I'm here paying all his tax, getting rained on every day. And uh, yeah, anyway, so going back to hug my uh, childhood self was like really quite enlightening. And, and yeah, that's part of the healing process. You had a, so you're a professional that support for that, really, really for that. Yeah, that sounds really woo, and people are like, you what? But it's like, no, go back and imagine that child. Just spend some time with that child. You remember yourself. You were They, they are in you. And, uh, yeah, go back and just spend a bit of time and have a little bit of a chat. And, you know, people say, I can't visualise that kind of thing. I, d I don't have visualisation. Like, my visualisation is very kind of uh, audible and feeling. Like, so I, I say, like, if you say you can't visualise, I'm not having that at all, right? And I don't know how deep you want to go into this now, but if you remember being, like, driving, riding through the woods with your mates on bikes and you're at the back and it's dusky and you're like, oh, shit, it's getting dark and you're sort of looking behind you and you think, you know, you imagine a bear chasing you and you can hear it breathing. You can hear its footsteps. You can, you can feel it gaining upon you. You can feel the goddamn things are so you overtake your mate, so he's at the back. Uh, you know, and it's like, of course you can visualise, of course you can imagine. And, and, and you can visualise yourself having a better life. My really productive times are between about 10 and 12 mm -hmm. in the daytime. And then from about 11 o'clock onwards to whenever you like. Mm. Just mm. That, I don't know whether it's because at that time of night there's just less distractions, less people. I don't know, but I like if I'm sitting down to do a project and I'm but when I get bash out the most is after eleven o'clock at night. It's mm. not healthy, but that's when it is for yeah. me. I've got yeah the first three hours of every day executive focus for me. I, I, I wake up in a sea of cortisol. Right, so that's the stress hormone that wakes you up, and it's like you're like, oh my god, <laughs> like well, what what have I done to my workload, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And for about two minutes, it's like like the biggest regret in the world ever. And then that subsides into like a creative period where I start to write, you know, my mind plays with words a lot and, uh, you know, sentences and catchphrases and things like that. And they go you know, down into post ideas and I'll think about what I need to instruct, you know, my team and what yep. I'll be good on what particular job interior design idea, all that kind of stuff. I've been working on the tools a little bit lately, actually, which is which has been nice, but... Um, you know, working all sorts of crazy hours in the morning, going to a project at half three in the morning, you know, trying not to disturb some of the tenants that have already moved in, you know, working in the communal areas and stuff, but doing Venetian plastering at three in the morning, eating a, a warmed up uh, king prawn uh, Buddha. You know, I, I, I just live in a different space time continuum to most people. But Mate, you're, when you start um, recording solo episodes for, for low for your podcast, right? I mean, <laughs> Even just that paragraph there had about six episodes in it. Because <laughs> yeah, it's just it. all those different activities, the things that go on, right? And just how you process them. Because they're all um, things that listeners go through, right? And not everybody, but I think 
part of the reality is trying to just get people to realize that we're all humans. We've all got these different things going on. And sometimes um, others are there to help for sure, right? And, it's, and, and sometimes we don't see that, of course. But ultimately, this is me not doing any psychology courses or anything. I just, I often sort of come back to the thing that actually it's almost 100% up to you. You're the one that has to do the work. There might be somebody there to guide, mm -hmm. and there might be somebody there to point some stuff out if you're ready to receive it. But ultimately, the power is in your own hands to make these changes. And and hopefully some of the stuff we've discussed today, people resonate with, but also will have a, oh, I'm okay then. And, all oh, right, that's what you do. Well, maybe I'll try that technique. Is there anything else you would say just for people just to overcome any of that stuff while we wrap up? Yeah. Just any other tips? There's some great expressions and some of them, yeah, we look, we stand on the shoulders of giants. Like I'd, I'd love to be doing like a two-day mindset retreat and that's something that's definitely on my agenda going forward. But And to some people it sounds like kind of repeated kind of cliche rhetoric, but we can only stand on the shoulders of giants of what we've heard from the people that we've read their books. So, you know, when I say things like, uh, if it is to be, it's up to me and it's not the dog in the fight, it's the fight in the dog. You know, I, I come across that many people where I think, God, you know, I can just see the inner diatribe and I just want to spend some time with them just to say, you know, and sometimes people do pull you up and you have an hour with them. You see them a month later and you're kind of like, ah, you, know, you, you, you didn't do those things that I asked you to do. How are you getting on with those things that I say? Did you get that book? So now what I say to people is when I recommend them a book and I can recommend books all day long for, for you know, like a bit of a witch doctor for, oh, you have this problem. Okay, read this book. But I say to people, <laughs> read that book and, and, and um, review it back to me one chapter at a time. So as you've read the first chapter, tell me what you think about the chapter, how it, you know, how it makes you think and feel, and what you can do in your life, uh, or what it's, what it's made you realize about your life that you can change, and then fourthly, how are you gonna change that? Each chapter, and they're like, oh shit. But it's like, well, you asked, you know? You asked for our help, so you're going to get some accountability items with that, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I love it when I say But do you know what? It's so hard to change people. We are so ingrained in what we've done uh, and what we do. And uh, I just feel like so many people could be so much more powerful than you, they you, are. You're, you've, you've finally succumbed to start doing mentoring, right? Yeah. Um, do you find that... Um, when you're working with people that are, that are maybe trying to overcome these things, that, that part of the job is is to get them to stand on the outside and look in, just so they can recognize, because sometimes the stuff that you talk about, right, people just don't recognize in themselves. People are so dominated by fear. People just fear fear. Like, people are just run by fear, you know, not wanting to take a step, not wanting to step out in front of, you know, the peers, not wanting to post on Facebook, even though they've got a fantastic business because they're just so scared of judgment, you know? And uh, God, I could talk for half an hour on the subject of fear at least. It's such a shame, uh, but we, you know, we, I guess we all have fear. I'm, I'm impolite enough to be impolite to fear. One of my, you know, I'm in the bottom 2% of politeness, even though I'm conscientious, so I'm very impolite with myself. So you definitely sometimes. have a spike, or a dip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on on but, one of those personality traits. Some of the feedback that I've had off people where I've just had an hour with them, and I'll say, because I, I have to give myself permission to do, like, you know, mentorship going forward and taking on mentees, because I get asked a lot to to help people, and, and, and I feel like I really could help maybe... 
12 people in a room, say. Um, and, you know, you, you, people need that accountability. I'm on all sorts of accountability. I'm always, like, researching and, like, looking at different systems and different speakers and different books and all of this kind of stuff. And I've melded loads of different systems together in, you know, the property revolution, the human revolution, and lean business revolution. And um, working with various people on uh, a couple of a few software ideas on how I think it could be brought in to really mm -hmm. help people with daily accountability. I don't even think weekly accountability works. Daily accountability for people, but but actually, you know, should it be that people need to be cracked with a little horsewhip every day on the body uh, to get I them to actually do I, stuff? I, I it has to be point. their power. Yeah, I think it goes back to that point I made earlier on, which is. Um, you need wins. Mm -hmm. You need to create some wins. And and I'm, I'm a, and we're not going to talk about goal setting, right? <laughs> but I'm a big believer in people. I think it was um, Microsoft man, as you said, you know, that people often overestimate what they can do in like 30 days, 90 days, but totally underestimate what they can do in five years. Mm -hmm. So I am a big believer in big goal setting, but equally, I think as a technique for getting yourself over the hump from that thing about not having enough accountability and not believing in yourself is just getting wins, getting wins fast and quick. But back to your thing about accountability, you know, it, it, it depends on where you're at, doesn't it? So you could get accountability daily mm -hmm. because you need to get through that period so you start to trust yourself again. Because mm -hmm. that's, what, that's what happens if you're not achieving those goals, you're setting them, is you just don't trust yourself anymore. Mm -hmm. So why should anybody else? But if you then start moving on to the bigger stuff, accountability is fantastic. Because it just reminds you, um, especially if it's um, kind of public accountability, okay, in a, in a group, right, where you've all bought in that you're going to be doing accountability, but basically publicly declaring what you're going to do and then with reasonably regularity, not every day, but coming back to, well, how did you get on? Oh, right. How are you getting on? Because the peer pressure becomes immense. It's really good technique. Dopamine hits. Yeah. It's what it's all about, isn't it? And, um, yeah, accountability, self-accountability going forwards. I tell you what is sometimes quite depressing when, you know, you put 16-hour days in and you, you feel like you're making really good progress. And then sometimes when you haven't got that, it's difficult, isn't it? When you're self-employed, it's on you. You've got to deliver. And you're prepared to put the extra hours in because it's for you, right? You know, you've got yourself in this and you're going to get out of it. You know, you've got all of this stuff to do. It's sometimes quite depressing when, you know, other humans, the handbag's packed at half past four and they can go home. Oh, yes. And you're there till 10 o'clock at night thinking of those fuckers at home, uh, you know, watching Coronation Street and kicking back with a cup of tea uh, and a Twix. And you're like, yeah, uh, I've got to do this by the morning. Or you, you just pile accountability upon yourself, don't you? You pile the sort of list of jobs up and think, you know, should I just have done half of what I've done? But ah, difficult, isn't it, to know when to stop? I did ask, yeah, when's enough enough? Yeah. We're not going to go back there. Yeah, I'll tell you <laughs> what. I mean, I, you know, I've come to the realisation that if I never buy, I only ever want to buy one more property in my life, and that is um, a farmhouse out in the country that's completely knackered that I can do with my own two hands 
and just live there for the rest of my life. Happy days. You know, maybe a couple of pot-bellied pigs and a chicken and a space for a couple of classic cars. Funny that, that's enough. And a workshop. There it is. That is enough, absolutely. Yeah, I always remember when I was um, in my 20s, the sort of phrase I was always looking at was, was trying to spend, invest the time to earn money then, so then... I could I could have the money to spend my time later, mm. you know, and trying to find those assets or those ways of finding a recurring income that was passive, as or at least as passive as we could get, which did mean this, we're going to that whole thing about you know um, delayed gratification, but putting as much effort in at that point to then enjoy it later. The challenge, of course, is as you're going down that route is and you get older is back to that thing about well when's enough enough when am I going to take the foot off the gas because I now actually have got the income I was after yeah. but I just want a little bit more I just want to do a bit more but do you think though and maybe when we're proper old farts we'd be able to reflect on this right but we're still young so do you think as one gets older and you'll get older that that period when you said oh you know I should have just gone and lived on a snowboard in a camper van and and sold some properties and brought down the debt and just lived on the passive, that actually, in reality, when you look back, sure, there were some challenging periods and some frustrating, maybe I wasted a little bit of time on that, but actually, mm. I'm kind of glad I did that. Do you know what? Um, I just My mind just went back to a time when I was at a party in a house that I owned, and I think I had four houses at the time. I think I was about to leave the Navy. And this, this guy came, you know, so having left school as, you know, they're not particularly clever kid and like having to graft through, you know, even, even the Navy just having to do twice as much work as anyone else just to be able to pass. Because why I went from one academic environment into another than electrotechnology and fluid mechanics and all that. It's like, why, why have I done that? Um, but, you know, this guy came to me and said, oh, are you, uh, are you Paul? Are you the, the guy with all the houses? You know, because I had like four houses yeah. at the time. I was, what, 24 year old? So Very that was quite job. a lot of houses yeah. for that. And, and and that made me feel so proud that, I, you know, that I had actually, you know, grafted on and mm -hmm. got those pads together and stuff like that. But now, I, you know, I said to Jake when, uh, when he rings up from Vietnam or Thailand or whatever, and I'm like, are there, are there many sort of 50-year-old backpackers? Because that's going to be me. I, I am going to be that person that will, well, as soon as I've done everything, I will be stuffing off around the world. I think, 100%. I, I, I think um, my... Days of doing that in a tent are over. Mm -hmm. I think I'll probably be doing it more as a kind of like bed and hotel kind of process. You need a camper, dude. <laughs> honestly, they're so flexible. Wild camping, you've got, honestly, being up in the mountains, right, whether it be summer or winter, you've got your little generator, your solar panel on top, your LED lights, so you're not you're using a lot of lecky. You've got maybe, yeah, you've got your, your diesel, your gas, you might have two weeks' food on board. Just disappearing up, you know, you fill up down at the super you or, you know, wherever supermarket and you go up the mountains and you're there for two weeks, catching up on all your box sets and all your, you know, meditation and reading and all of that great stuff. And if it's just... It's you a longing the, there. Just, Paul, just, I can hear a longing just coming out. Stuff. <laughs> just, you know, like your food, your stuff, everything Mary Poppins knicker drawer organised, you know? Like nobody else messing your shit up. <laughs> it's the dream. It's an absolute dream, mate. It's brilliant. Right, Paul, we're going to pull this... Um, Pull us together. I think we should maybe just go back to mentioning about your podcast and what you plan to do with A Life of a Fruitcake. And you've mentioned about doing some mentoring. We also, a couple of times, have talked about um, the property thing in the Northeast where you have a great property um, networking event. But you've been known for doing long posts mm -hmm. on socials um, and sharing some very thought-provoking uh, material. And finally, you've decided... Actually, I'm going to start doing a podcast about this, mm -hmm. right? So 
what's going to be the theme? So we don't know. But maybe you could just tell our listeners, what, what can they look forward to when this comes out? Do you know, I, uh, I interviewed Five Apprentices the other day, and uh, my line of questioning is quite strange. But I say to them, if your fairy godmother came down and gave you one wish of where you can be in five years' time, what would it be? Because I like to find out people's purpose. Mm-hmm. And some of these people that I'm interviewing are saying, oh, well, I'd love to be behind the camera. I'm saying, so what are you doing here? Wanting a job in property. But let's get you behind the camera. Um, and I love to help people like that to, to, to get their direction and their purpose. And what the life of a fruitcake is about is that a, it's fine to be a fruitcake. When all of those kids had left, I turned around to my uh, team and I said, none of them were kind of fruitcakey enough for me. <laughs> I didn't see any sort of drive or spark or in, or in the right direction anyway. And it's like they, those kids weren't ADHD enough for me. Like, I love that. I love the spark that the neurodivergency gives people and the, the energy of entrepreneurs. And, it, and it's that energy that I want to, um, like, research and, and find out what makes people tick and what makes people talk. And, um, yeah, just, just, just getting deep down and dirty. Like I said, it's the, the no-makeup selfie of the, the world of entrepreneurialism and business. And uh, let's see where we can take it. No, no stones unturned. Super, Paul. Thanks very much for coming back up the road here to see us for um, spending some time just now um, recording, which I hope will be some really helpful hints and tips in there for people that maybe have been struggling. If anyone wants to reach out to you, Paul, where is the best place to find you? Well, you could send me an email, paulmillion99 at hotmail.com. You could get me on Facebook, paulmillion, LinkedIn, uh, same Instagram, paulmillion99. You're there. Fantastic. Paul, thank you so much. It's been my absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you so much. Mine too. Look forward to the next one. Nice one, dude. Cheers.